change is a people process. It is not a database or a spreadsheet or a technology or any of those things. Change is about people. And it is the one thing that organizations overlook. Welcome back to the Mindset Mastery Podcast. Joining me today to talk about incorporating successful change, leadership, organizational development, and a whole range of other topics is founder of Rebel Successful Leaders, Charlotte Allen. Charlotte has over 20 years of leadership experience, including 16 years at Kraft Foods, working with many iconic brands. She holds a PhD from the Ohio State University and is the best-selling author of Rebel Successful Leaders, Lead, Grow, and Sell Fearlessly. In this episode, we talk about career shifts for individuals and on the flip side, how organizations can increase their employee retention. A big show as always, so I'm going to jump right in and welcome Charlotte Allen. Charlotte, thank you so much for coming on Mindset Mastery today. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, Rachel. Thank you for having me. So we're going to talk all about leadership today, changing careers. There's a lot of really interesting talking points I want to get to. But to start with, I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey, the different Mm -hmm. careers you've had, and really what led you to what you're doing now with Rebel Successful Leaders. Yeah, that's kind of a winding road. So it started really young. I think from a very early age, I grew up in a very conservative, very rural community, And the options that I had as a young person weren't really very fabulous, right? I I could have a couple of careers. I could, I had already predicted, you know, for me, what my life was going to be like. And it really felt as though it was very, very narrow. And from an early age, I made the decision that 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 was not going to be my future, that I needed to, and that I was supposed to do something very, very different than what was offered to me. So I, I ended up going to college. I left home. I thought I was going to be going to one career and I ended up in that for a bit health. And then I decided, you know, it was, it was a great experience. It was wonderful when I was young, but it wasn't the career I wanted. Right. And so I followed another passion and switched to food. And again, that was an amazing career. I got some amazing experiences. And then, and then now I'm, you know, an entrepreneur, I, you know, launching my own business. I'm a speaker, I'm a consultant. And I guess what I would say to folks about how that happened and about what I would bring or, or offer is that essentially I have always followed my instinct. I've always had a pretty strong internal guide that has said to me, this is what you should be doing. This is your path to go on. This is what you were meant to bring to the world. So for me, that's kind of what I've followed. I have always heard along the way that I shouldn't, couldn't, I'm not supposed to, you know, fill in the blank. I've always heard those reasons why that path is not supposed to be mine. So I have, I have consistently been that rebel that follows regardless of what other people are telling me. And I have been pretty successful along the way. So I think that as we think about our careers and our passions, there is almost always that internal 
direction that we always get that we should follow. Yeah, definitely. So Rebel Successful Leaders, tell me about the work that you do with people and the whole idea behind that. And even, even the name, you're talking about you being that, that rebel. Is that where the, the kind of name for your business came from as well? So what I help people do, I, I work with clients in one of three ways. I work with them on their change leadership. So usually they are moving forward with a change organizationally, or they're doing some transformation. And we all know still that 75% or more of change fails still. So there's a lot of opportunity for folks to help and for folks to make sure that's successful. So change is one. Innovation is the second. I work with folks on who need to have a pipeline of regular innovation. So whether it be product or whether it be service, whether it be part of the industry that they're in, but they're looking for some regular amount of innovation and how do they continue to keep that up? And then the third way is leadership. I talk a lot about uniqueness and about how we need to deliver specific things that only we can bring. But when you get a group of people who are all very unique and unconventional in a room, in a business setting, it becomes very challenging sometimes for the business to figure out how to pull all that together and move that forward. So leadership amongst that dynamic is something that I work with folks on. My primary customers are in the STEM field. So anything science, technology related, healthcare, IT, food, anything that would be under science or technology. Primarily, there's also a lot of people in the manufacturing space, a lot of industries that are in I would call it a transition for which there might've been an, an, an established base and that that's turning over into kind of younger people, newer ideas, different technologies. They're having to transform their industry as well. And then you asked about rebel success. So I, when I, when I formed the business, I was very passionate about making it be catchy, right? That we all have to have a catchy title, but also about what what is really truly me, right? What is truly me? And rebel and success are two very different ideas. Rebel is about the unique, the unconventional. People think about when they hear the word, they think about people who are, are breaking the rules. You know, they're not following the norms, which is very true. But what they don't think about is how those people and those ideas are also successful. Usually success is, you know, I'm, I'm hitting a number on a spreadsheet. I am doing what I'm supposed to do for Wall Street. You know, I have letters behind my name or money or career success, but it tends not to be the breaking the rules and doing something unique, right? Those two are two very different things. And so much of what I have done in my career has been connecting to very different ideas, two very dissimilar things, that rebel success for me was just perfect, right? Because that is really what I'm doing. I'm connecting that uniqueness with the path to make that uniqueness successful in the marketplace. Yeah, that's fantastic. I want to step back to what you said in the beginning there, that 75% of change fails. Mm -hmm. Why does that happen? Well, there's a lot of reasons why 75% of change fails. However, I would argue that there is one very big reason. There is a lot of people who come to talk to me who say, 
what's the best change model? What's the best way to do my change? What's the latest and greatest approach to the diagram of change and all the factors that affect change? And I always respond with, you know, you've got to have a process. Okay. You've got to have something to focus on. We all have to track it in some way, shape or form. I said, but the number one thing that you need to do to make this successful is focus on the people. Change is a people process. It is not a database or a spreadsheet or a technology or any of those things. Change is about people. And it is the one thing that organizations overlook, right? Because the people part of it is hard. The people part of it is not what we learn. We learn how to take a, you know, a technology from here to here or change a process in a certain way. What we don't learn is how to train the people, how to get support, how to get ideas from the people who are currently doing it the way they're doing it today. So change is the number one failed. It's probably the number one thing that everyone fails on, but people are the number one way to make that successful. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. So then what do we do to get people to buy into change, to make them feel valued and appreciated and make that change successful? Okay. So change, how do we get people bought in and how do we get people um, to think about change in a successful way. I would say the, the, there's one technique that I teach and it is, it's kind of like finding your avatar or thinking about that one person who is purchasing or taking advantage of or getting the impact of your change. So if it's Jerry, you know, what is Jerry going to do? How is Jerry going to feel? How is Jerry going to live his life differently given your product or service? If you're business to business, how is Jerry's auto body, right, going to benefit from the work that you're doing? So as you think about that one person and all the characteristics of that individual, you begin to absorb a level of gosh, I know this person, right? It's, it's like you're talking to your friend over coffee that that person becomes real and does not any longer be like an inanimate object, right? So it, it creates this connection with you and Jerry or Jerry's auto body. And you can actually create this support from Jerry because as you become closer to Jerry, Jerry gets more interested in you. So think about your organization and all of the people who are in that organization and how you convince them, inspire them, guide them to get behind the change that you're trying to make, right? That, that's what we're searching for. They all have inputs. Again, remember, they have unique and unconventional ideas themselves, and they are the experts in the space that they live in. So how can they help you? make this change successful versus thinking about it of how do you do it to them? Often that's our approach. How do we do it to them? Right. And that's, that's one of the biggest ways we can make something more successful. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Instead of trying to push it onto them, get them to feel like they're a part of it as well. Another 
thing that caught my eye when I was looking over some of your videos was this idea of increasing your magnetism. So first of all, what exactly does that mean? And how does that increase in magnetism help us in our pursuit of our goals and achieving what we want to achieve? So if any of your listeners has ever been around somebody that they just want to continue to be around, right? Those people who attract, or you hear about people who are so successful, they always seem to get what they're looking for. Those people are magnetic, right? So the question for us is, how do we become the people, if we aren't already those folks, who attract what we're looking for, who attract what we need? There's this concept that when you speak it, then it had, or if you write it down, you have started the process that will bring to you what you need, right? It's that kind of that law of attraction. So when we think about increasing our magnetism, what it is not, especially for those of us who are introverts, it's not about going out there and putting on a show and trying to get, you know, so many likes and and understanding who loves us and who doesn't. That's really not what it is. Magnetism is really about, this is what I need. This is what I want. This is what my vision is. This is where I'm headed. And then how do I, how do I get support for my journey along the way? How, if I'm looking to hire, how do I find that right person? Am I putting out a whole lot of negative? That's how I'm getting negative back. If I'm saying I can't find the right people, I can't find the right person, everybody I hire isn't good, guess what? You're going to get all of that back. If you say, I know the right person is out there, I'm, I'm, he's just, he or she is just around the corner, I'm going to find the perfect employee who's going to do you know, these three things that I want. They're going to show up to work on time. They're going to bring me amazing ideas. They're going to be so dedicated to my business that I am going to love them and they'll be promoted and I'm going to make them a partner in my business, you know, whatever that is. If that's what you're saying, that's what you're going to find. So it's really about reframing, you know, to your point about your mindset, reframing your mindset so you're able to pull in what you're looking for. Yeah, definitely. You know, we talk about this a lot on the show that you attract more of what you're thinking about. So like you say, if you're always thinking negatively and stuck in those negative thoughts, then you're going to attract more of that. So how do you train yourself out of doing that? Because we know that 95% of the thoughts that we have every day are negative. So you talked about writing and, and, and verbally saying that is about even being aware of what you're saying to other people, maybe in your business, when you're doing that recruiting phase and being really conscious of the words you're saying, is that a way to start to train yourself out of some of those negative thoughts? Yeah, that's a great, a great approach, Rachel. And I'll, I'll say for your listeners, it's not one size fits all. So I would say that each person needs to find what works for them. And the first step is realizing that you need to do something different, right? So think about what you're saying. Think about what you're thinking, right? Did I just really say that I'm a terrible person and I'm never going to do X or Y or Z with my life? Did I really just say that to myself? So I like to call that head talk because I feel as though when we, because it's active, right? It is, a, it is a list of things we can talk about to ourselves in our head. Because remember, 
what is said in your head is not in charge of you. You need to be in charge of what you tell yourself. It's like you need to be in charge of what you're consuming and what language you're saying. So some people use things like mantras. Mantras are sayings. Let's call it five to 10 sentences about yourself that are positive in nature that you say out loud every single day, right? That's an example of a technique. Other people, and it's also very true that gratitude has a big component into, into this perspective. So how are we being a very routinely practiced person in gratitude? How am I being grateful on a regular basis? How am I seeing the positive, right? In whatever that's, that's happening. The other way people can, can do this, some people work better with journaling or writing it down. So is your behavior that you write down everything that happens that's positive? Is it your behavior that you write out your mantras? Is it your behavior that you paint the picture of your vision and what you're trying to achieve? You know, is that your way? These are just some examples. I would suggest that your, your listeners, you know, find what works for them. I, I personally ebb and flow amongst a bunch of different things. Sometimes I need the mantra. I need the mantra sometimes because what I'm doing is so new and different. And for me, the mantra is important. We as a family practice the gratitudes every day. We have to say three things we're grateful for. And we have to say one thing we appreciate the other person about every single day. And sometimes those are difficult to find, right? Especially when, when we're so busy, we don't see each other. So that is a daily practice for us. And then I'll say that sometimes I will journal things out. For me, what works the best a lot of times is exercise. So I, I, it comes out when I run. So usually I'll insert, I'll, I'll speak or I will define a challenge before I go for a run and I'll run. And quite honestly, it's like my mind works it out along the run. And by the time I'm finished, I have kind of where I'm going with it. So exercise is a very established way or some form of, you know, higher heart rate, mind clearing kind of activity is, is another good way that this could work. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same whenever I exercise after you know, you've had, sometimes it's after a long day and you feel like you're in a bit of a rut getting out to exercise for a bit seems to clear all that out and you can come back and solve some of those problems that you're struggling with or be able to see things a lot more clearly. So exercise, that's one of my favorites, I would say. So we were talking before the show about the career shift that we've both seen in our own networks. And also I've seen a lot of statistics over the last few months about many people either leaving the job they're currently at or definitely considering a career change. So what do you think might've triggered some of this, especially just in recent times that a lot of people are considering a lot more about why they're working at certain companies. And it seems to all have come to a bit of a head now. And there's been a lot of change lately. There's certainly been a lot of change lately. I'm not sure that anybody could have predicted the global pandemic and the effects of it. I will share my sort of look back on my career shifts and maybe draw some conclusions about what has sort of happened to what it seems like 
so many people now. In, in each case, I had this inkling, this nudge, this feeling something wasn't right, right? Something should be different, that I wasn't happy, that this was not where I was supposed to be. And in each case, I was at a place where I was doing really well in the career. I was, I was financially in a good spot. I was successful. I was well-respected. I had career path in the future. It wasn't that I was coming at it from a place of not doing well. So I was doing well, but I still had this feeling or this something about the situation or the work or the environment, something was just not right. So I, I always had that. I will say that, that how I got from there to the decision to make a career shift and in my case, they were pretty big. I went from healthcare to food and from food to an entrepreneur. And, and, and those, are, those are pretty substantial, pretty substantial shifts. How I did that was usually through some phase, amount of time where there was reflection, quiet, journaling, you know, there needs to be something where the busy of life, because my first shift, I was pretty busy, but I wasn't as busy as I am now, right? And lately. So I think this opportunity to kind of be contained, I suppose, and think about what we want for our future has been a gift in many ways. I would call it a gift because it has allowed us to think about what what are our priorities, right? And our priorities shift, right? Our priorities change across our life. So for today, what is your priority and how do you want to show up and who do you want to be with, right? I made one of my shifts from corporate to entrepreneur because I was working way too much. I, I was commuting. I was like, I don't think I rested even on a weekend, I was constantly moving from all of my work stuff to all of my home stuff to all of my stuff to catch up on the weekend. There was not a single bit of time when I think for the better part of three or four years when I even relaxed, even on vacation, right? So I think that this, for some people, this forced, right? This forced reflection is certainly an important piece for me. When I left corporate, I had an amount of time when I told myself I was only going to sleep, eat, and exercise. And I was going to just think about kind of what I wanted because I knew something had to change. I just didn't know what it was changing to. Right. So some people find that very scary and many people probably find that very scary. This process of, I know it's not this, but I don't know what it is. I don't know that I can support myself. I don't know that I can make a living off of that. So how, how do you, how do you trust the process enough, especially if you've not gone through the process yet to figure out that this is kind of the way it should be. Right. So I, I think, I think those are a couple of the parallels I've seen. And I just think that it has been so opportunistic, perhaps again, it's a gift that we've gone through this so that we're allowed to kind of see where we each need to be. Yeah, absolutely. From an organization's standpoint, you know, losing lots of employees, having a high employee turnaround could definitely impact lots of businesses and getting new staff and just changing the whole dynamic there. So what do you think is important for organizations to be thinking about to possibly increase the 
employee retention or make their organizations, you know, more of a a great place to be, I guess, because people are definitely thinking about, like you said, what they want from their lives. And even, you know, we've all been working at home for so long. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have got used to the flexibility and they're necessarily returning to the office might not be something that they want to do. So what should organizations really be thinking about to keep some of their employees and yeah, just make it more of a, a good place to work really? So I think that I I was a remote employee. I was working from home five years, full-time five years before the pandemic, right? So for me, it wasn't much different at all. I I will say that similar to what an individual should go through when you're having that feeling or that inkling or like something's not right, organizations don't necessarily have that same intuition, but they're getting a lot of signals if they're having trouble with employee retention, if they're having trouble finding the right people, if they're you know trying to hire over and over and over again and they're not able to keep folks, that that should be a signal to them. And I and what they ought to be thinking about is not that it's a pandemic and it happens to everyone, because I've talked with a number of businesses who have been able to retain their folks because of how they're showing up for their employees, for their team, right? So think about what you want to be because it's also a great opportunity for a business to shift, a business to change, a business to say, I've always wanted to do this and now I have the opportunity, right? It's exactly the same parallel as a person who says, gosh, I've always wanted to do something different. Now I have an opportunity. So think about what that is, right? If it's, and not every, unfortunately, not every business is going to find this a priority. It's kind of sad, but think about how you want to show up. How do you want your employees to come to work? How do you want to be connected to people? If you say to yourself, when you have that answer, that it's not possible, that you can't be successful doing it. Okay. That's not the right mindset. It is possible. People do it. There are tons of examples. If you need help figuring it out, find somebody to help you figure it out. If it is truly something you want to do, go after it. Don't leave it sit by the wayside and say it can't be done. Because as soon as you say it can't, you have already predetermined your future. Yep. (laughs) That is a really important one. The leading can't from the vocabulary is Mm -hmm. (laughs) something that I've been working on for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So Charlotte, what is your biggest belief about becoming the master of your own mindset? My biggest belief I'll say has changed. What I'm about to say, I didn't believe when I was younger, but I have come to believe this as I have achieved this point in my life. I will say that my biggest belief is that if you can figure out how to manage your mind. Your mind is your last big, you know, adventure, your last big, your last big thing to tackle, right? People who can figure out their exercise, their weight, their food, their, you know, relationships, your mind is something that almost nobody spends any time on, right? The, the science around what's going on in your brain, the, the, the ability that you have to actually affect your entire life by figuring out your mind is huge. 
and it is something that we don't spend any time on. So my biggest belief is that we have the ability to do that and it's not as big of a deal as we think it is. I love that. It's not as big as a deal as we think it is. That's great. So if people want to find out more about you and work with you, where can they go? Sure. My rep, my website is uh, rebel success for leaders with an S.com. You can find me there. I'm also primarily on LinkedIn. So if you look me up on LinkedIn, I'm Charlotte Allen food innovator. I'd love to connect with you there. Just make a little note. If you send me a connection request that you saw me on Rachel's show, and I'd love to connect with you that way. That is fantastic. Charlotte, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been great to talk with you. Thank you, Rachel, for having me. I've loved being here. If you'd like to find out more about Charlotte, you can head to the show notes below. If you enjoyed today's show, it would be awesome if you could jump on and leave us a review so more people like you can join us on this journey towards mindset mastery. I can't wait to have your company again next week. Until then... Remember, we are only limited by what we believe we are limited.